Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. And by experts in the industry, I'm staring at them here. <laughs> Tyler Anderson, back in the saddle. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. I actually, we were gone so long that I recorded a, uh, hey, we didn't forget about you. We're coming back. Um, <laughs> but it's been crazy. It's been crazy. Uh, spring break happened, right? So that's cool. Got some hiking in. Do you guys do anything for spring break? Yeah, we went to D.C. Nice. A little touristy. Smithsonian? Yeah, we did. Uh, all, all of the Smithsonian's. Nice. Declaration of Independence. U.S. Capitol. Awesome. It's pretty pretty wild, actually. It's like, a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of walk-in. But um, so there's actually two air and space museums. I don't know. I don't know if you've been there. I, not um, in 20 years, and I never got to the Smithsonian. Just the the big plaza walk with all the memorials and stuff. So there's one like there's one downtown like where all the other Smithsonian's are like on the National Mall. Sure. And then there's there's another one that they call like the hazy air and space. So it's like it's kind of out by the airport, I think, in one of the directions. Okay. But but that's the one they had space shuttle space shuttle discovery, uh, SR seventy one Blackbird, Concord. Like they that they had all the planes in that one. That's so got to awesome. be gigantic because none of it those was, are small aircraft. No, it was it was huge. My uh, my poor kids were like, because we walked through the one uh, the one on the National Mall has a bunch of construction going on right now. So okay, you know it was a pretty quick visit. But when we walked into that one, they were like, "Oh man, we're gonna be here a while." <laughs> <laughs> so how close can you get to those things? Um, I think it was like three feet away from all of them. Okay. It's pretty like close. In yeah. some cases. Yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of varies, but you can't, you can't like touch them, but I mean, they, they're like right there. Right. It's pretty, right. Pretty wild. So speaking of the SR 71, I believe that was a, uh, Lockheed Skunk Works airplane, right? Yep. Um, so knowing that you are a airplane nerd. Uh, there's a book called Kelly more than my share of it all. And it's about one of the guys that like started skunk works for Lockheed. Interesting. Um, super cool book. And and you get bits and pieces of his personal life and then bits and pieces of, uh, what it's like to be, you know, a hundred person offshoot in a shed under secrecy, right? Like. There, there are so many wild stories from that era, and I, and I mean like, and it all ties back to manufacturing too, because you just have these like, these problems that have never been solved before, and and there are some wild solutions to getting them done, like, yeah. like the story that comes to mind, like the SR seventy one, like its whole skin was made out of titanium, and so it would go so fast, and it would like the skin would expand by so much that they had to take that into account 
So when it was sitting on the ground, they'd fill it up with fuel and it would just be leaking like a sieve, like just all over the ground. Oh. So the, so they'd get it up in the air and then have to refuel it again because it was, I mean, the, the titanium skin would expand by that much that it would seal up as soon as it got warm. But when it sat on the ground, it was just, it would literally just leak fuel like nobody's business. That's crazy. Um, another one of the, the stories that, that pop up in that book is around just like what happens to, you know, traditional paints and hydraulics under high temp or extreme cold temp, right? At elevation with no atmosphere kind of a thing. So, um, kind of makes our day jobs feel a little silly, but yeah, you had to build for it, right? Like, holy cow. Um, speaking of building things, uh, I gave you a little preview but I did break down and get one of those 3D resin printers, the uh, the SLA. Holy detail. <laughs> it's crazy detail. Um, are you familiar with how those things work? The, the resin printers? Yeah. It's like you have this vat of goo yep. and things happen, and then you have to cure it and clean it and do all the things so you don't get toxic goop all over your hands. Yeah, so it is absolutely a, a vat, and I'm going to say mine is, I don't know, four by six, so think of like a postcard kind of a thing. You pour your goo in there, but the bottom actually has like a flexible clear film, and that sits on top of a LED, LCD display. So instead of like with an FDM, which is a traditional, you know, hot glue gun mounted to a gantry, um, this one, each layer is sliced as a picture. So it, it shines the picture on the goo from the underside and the lit up areas are where it solidifies and the non lit up areas stay goo. And so then this plate comes down from above and it applies pressure and then that pressure gets it to adhere and then it pulls it up, right? So that bottom piece is flexing a little bit while it's pulling up and then it's got to pull a gap and then the goo has to flow and then it takes another picture, comes down, applies pressure, does the thing back and forth. Super wild. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't understand that it like you had a lot of up and down motion there. Yeah, every layer it's up and down. So I think like my exposure time is at like three and a half, four seconds or whatever that it, it lights up, presses down, pulls away, flow, picture. So it's doing it layer by layer. Um, but what's creepy is you don't see any layer lines. Weird. Yeah, so like with an FDM, you can always tell, right? You can run your hand over the outside of the part, and you can feel it's almost like a 200-grit sandpaper, right? There's always those striations in the, in the surface. None of that with this thing. It's it's super crazy. Um, so because I'm a nerd, I printed out a bunch of D&D &D minifigures. And, uh, like, the detail, the fine detail is, uh, and I don't, I don't have any handy on my desk, but, like, I had a tree trunk that was the size of my finger, right? And I've got big hands, so let's call it a three-quarter inch diameter finger. But there was like a hole, like a one-eighth inch hole where the, like the knot in the tree was, and there was a skull in the hole. And the detail was crazy. I'll send you a picture later. Weird. But, uh, super cool. And it was only like 200, 250 bucks, right? Like, well, so the other, so part of that detail is because you just, 
you only have motion like in the Z axis, like where totally, yeah. Because FDM, you're trying to coordinate all three. Along with your feed rate of your goo yeah. and, uh, yeah, all of that, right? So, yeah, so that so you you eliminate, yeah, I guess all three of those variables. So you're, you're truly just going up, up and, and down. down. Yeah. yeah. So the, there's one thing that is weird. And, by the way, if anyone's got one of these things and they've got ideas for me, um, I did a big piece that was like a, a treetop. Um, so picture like a, a, a big, you know, about the size of your mouse on your computer. Um, and it doesn't hollow it out. So here's a couple things. I'm going to finish the first question to the audience. Um, so with these bigger parts, I had it crack. Um, so like the part cracked in the middle. Um, and I've had a couple of them and I think it's just, I need to increase my cure time maybe on the, on the exposure. Because I've had a couple of them get kind of droopy. Like if I had a hmm. flat plate, it'll want to slice it at an angle, and then like the bottom part kind of gets a little droopy, a little saggy, um, which bums me out. But eh. But so back to the so anyway, if anybody has an idea on why it would crack or droop, shout uh, automation advocates at advocates at gmail dot com. Uh, I couldn't figure it out. But the other thing, so you've printed an FDM, and it always does the the slicing, and it puts like a honeycomb inside of it. This yeah, stuff doesn't do the honeycomb. Solid. So it's like solid? Yeah. Oh. Um, pros and cons. Con is it uses a load of goo. Um, and the parts are a little heavier, which, again, when you're printing something that's a one-inch square, eh, whatever. Because all of that comes in like a 12, 12 ounce bottle, something like that. I mean, it's not it's not like a big, or maybe it's bigger than that. But eh, give me fifteen seconds, dazzle them with something really smart. I'll go grab one and look here. <laughs> Got to find my nearest uh, elevator music generator. Uh, ding. I don't see your lips moving. Did you do any dazzling? <laughs> oh, there's dazzle happened. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, so it's a thousand. This one happens to be a thousand gram jug. Uh, it's measured by weight, of course, not by volume. Because why would you do that? I'm gonna say that's what a liter, give or take ish. Okay. Sure. Um, maybe a quart for those of you in. Uh, metric versus english land but uh and it's not crazy expensive i think a jug that size is like 25 bucks so it's you know it's within the normal realm of stuff but how much of that did you consume like during your some of those prints uh i don't know for like a minifigure it's nothing right but for like the tree i'm gonna say i used 70 80 grams worth maybe okay so call it a buck a buck an object which still is practically free right like come on now but uh, the rest of the process is exactly that it is uh you take it out of the goo vat you put it in the washer so i've got an alcohol washer machine put the part in the basket hit the go button it spins and the alcohol washes it and 
and you kind of clip the crud off, right? So it still has supports, and then you put it in, and it UV bakes it. Life is good. Uh, but what I ran into right off the rip was the resin smells. <laughs> so bad. And it's literally like 30 feet behind me, and I lit it off that first day. And I'm like, my daughter is going to murder me. <laughs> so I quick open up the you know the patio door, open up the windows, and blowing fans, shut everything down. I'm like, what am I gonna do? And uh, we've got a shop here in town called Micro Center, which you've probably been to a couple oh, three yeah. times, yeah. So they had a uh, an Ender Three like fireproof tent. Have you seen those before? Mm-hmm. It's like two foot by two foot by two. So I shoved the resin printer and the cure station and then like a whole room or whole floor air purifier all in the tent. <laughs> and so I seal this thing up and I hit the go button and, 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 it, and it ate it all up, right? It eats up 95% of the smell. So it problem solved, bullet dodged. But as we were prepping for this... I kept getting this weird whirring sound and I turn around and I'm like, oh, there's three air purifiers running plus the fan on the ender that <laughs> never turns off. And I went, okay, we can fix these audio issues. So, so like, is it like true, like pu- putrid, like bad smell or is it just like heavy chemical? Like what? I'm going to say heavy chemical, right? So if you've done any uh, paint work before right or maybe like a bondo kind of a thing um it's just heavy chemical but i didn't feel ill right like (laughs) i'm gonna show my ignorance right now (laughs) again i guess i should say uh so when i was a kid we we inline skated rollerbladed everywhere right and played hockey and all these other things and uh this was before we knew how bearings worked. So we would clean the grease out of all the bearings because they rolled faster. Um, and when you're only on them for a little bit, probably not a big deal, right? You just get new bearings, throw them away. Um, but I had left my degreaser, and at the time it was not a eco-friendly degreaser, <laughs> open in like a little margarine jar with my bearings in it on my dresser in my bedroom. And I couldn't figure out for the life of me why for about a week I woke up sick every morning, like (laughs) ill, vomiting. Um, Didn't go to school. And then by about noon after sitting upstairs, hanging out, watching TV, I felt great. Couldn't figure it out. Turns out huffing those fumes, bad idea. (laughs) Um, But I haven't felt sick with the resin. But I'm not going to shove my head in that tent for 12 hours and find out. It's um, probably wise. Yeah, but definitely chemically. Because um, is, is it only on, is it on when it's like exposing and building or just when it cures? When you say on, what are you referring to? Sorry, like when, when the smell is like, when the smell is the strongest, oh. is it like the front part of it or all of it? Or? Definitely while it's making the parts. Okay. Like once it's in the the alcohol bath... Eh, it's not so bad. Um, and then when it's doing the UV cure, also I don't I don't think it's so bad because mostly the part is stiff at that point, right? Like it's not it's not like grabbing Jello. It's 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 rigid. I think it's just like a final 
lock it all in kind of moment. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely dodged a bullet with that little <laughs> tent. But I didn't realize until I started using the microphone with the with the roadcaster how much noise that gave off. Um, I wonder what people have been thinking about on Teams meetings for the last three weeks. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you printed anything cool lately? Uh, Just, like, random stuff. So I'm, I'm in the, like, oh, I can print it, I'll do it. So, like, I... I no, you can't see it. Oh. It's blurry. Looks like a little tool holder. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. USB and pens yeah. and... Yeah, so it was just like I had all these SD cards and stuff on my desk, and I'm like, ah, I bet I can, I bet I can fix that problem. So you should send me a uh, link to that. I like that, and I have room on my desk and need one. I uh, will do. Because right now yeah. I just have that stuff piled up here. <laughs> I'm, I'm in, I'm in like that phase of like, oh, you know, I need one of those. I'll go print it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm quickly exhausting, like the pre-made stuff. So it's I'm I'm entering into this world of like okay, well to now I need to learn Fusion 360, yeah, because I can't find like a thing for what I'm trying to do. So that's been a that's a that's a bunny trail. It's a it's a steep bunny trail too. Do you have one of these in your desk? I do. So that that uh, it's holding up a. Digital caliper, Metatoyo, yeah. So yeah, so that was the first adventure, like trying to take, like take a picture and then get the scale right and then build it up with all the extrudes and everything. So it, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot, right? Like it's and it's a different skill set. If you were a mechanical engineer by day, it'd be cakewalk. Oh yeah, like uh, um, you know who's really good at it. Uh, we should we should have him on sometime. Is uh, Curtis? Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. Like he's a mechanical guy. Yeah. So I've sat and watched him build some of this stuff, and he's like, "Well, twenty-seven measurements. Boop, boop, boop. Here we go. We got something functional. We'll be done in three hours." You know. <laughs> you and I are like crayons, and <laughs> eh, kind of looks right. Um, what? A- why do I need a fillet? What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh but it is it is neat and, and it is neat to see the convergence of these things and to think like twenty years ago, if we would have needed some of this stuff, it was well, who do we know that has a welder and a bridge port or you make it out of wood or foam, right? Like there was no where I was in Texas a couple weeks ago for a uh, shooting school, and afterward we were doing a little hunting. And when you shoot things at night, you need a big, big flashlight, right? So I've got my uh, my Sniper Hog 66-millimeter 60, flashlight, right? So this has got some heft to it. And uh, you clamp it to your scope, and what happened, I was out, and I had the had the object in my in my sights, right? And you clamp it in with this little C clampy looking thing. But the adapter they gave me to go around the flashlight for a thirty four millimeter scope tube was a split piece, right? And you don't want to crank on your scope too hard because it's you know it's something with a price tag that has a comma in it. 
<laughs> and uh, and so I teed off. I fired, and my whole flashlight assembly falls on the ground. Uh. And now I'm like, well, I don't know if I hit what I'm shooting. At or, I don't know anything. So I immediately came home and designed a single piece spacer adapter with a slit in it that opens up around the problem solved, right? But like, how would I have solved that 20 years ago? Duct tape. Now yeah. I've got a more finite solution. Well, and it was, uh, I was I was at a show this last week too, and I was talking to one of the, the other vendors when I was walking around. Yeah. And they, they make these like cable clamp things and- Was and it the Igus guys? I think I think so. Yeah. 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 But they were they were just saying like their their whole workflow for chain you know, for prototyping things is completely different with three D printers. And and I totally. and I, I don't think it's just them. Like I think it's anybody. Like that ability to go like, Oh, I have this idea and spend a you know, spend an hour and your favorite CAD tool of choice yeah. and you can have something in front of you. Like they're that that workflow i mean that that's part of the reason i have a 3d printer it's just the fact that i can i can literally print something in in the real world yeah um, it's very similar i think i shared like the the first time we chatted like that was that was my whole entry into the automation world is cuz i was i was doing computer science writing programs like all the stuff on the computer and which is interesting. There's some interesting problems to solve there, but the the day that I learned that I could do programming and it did stuff in the real world changed everything. Yeah. So it's the same thing with the 3D printer. Like, oh, I can I can come up with some half baked, crazy idea and <laughs> you know have it tested out, fix it, test it out again and you know, have something that can actually solve a problem. Like that's, that's, that's amazing. And quickly, right? Like it just happens. Yeah. Um, switching gears. Well, I got, so one more on the last topic. Yeah. 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 Have you, have you investigated like a 3d scanner or any of that kind of stuff? So I remember when I want to say it was MakerBot had one that you could buy, and I was like, "That's stupid." Um, so I've never played with one of the use at home ones, um, but in my former day job, I got to work a lot with the uh, the Ferro Arm folks, right? So the high speed, high precision inspection systems, and they have one that's got like a little laser gun on the end of it. So I, I've used the super duper industrial versions of them, but none of the home ones. Yeah, I feel so I feel like that's the you know, I I don't have a major use case for it. I hear like like the latest iPhone has like a LiDAR sensor that you can actually use to scan objects sure. and then create create a printable something out of it. But I had a I had a deal where like on my microwave one of the brackets that hold the handle broke. Yeah. It, and so it's two of the identical parts. So I the whole time I was like, man, if I just had, if I could scan the one that's good, mm-hmm. I could just print out two new ones and yep. it would be, you know, instead of paying 20 bucks for this little stupid piece of plastic. Yeah. Um, so that was, I haven't ventured down that bunny trail yet, but. Did you get your part fixed though? 
Yeah, because I, you know, paid the penance to Amazon and got a new one. <laughs> but also, 20 bucks for a bracket isn't horrible, right? I mean... No, no. I mean, yeah. I'd rather I'd rather spend twenty bucks to fix a handle than buy a brand new microwave and bingo. Sp- spend a weekend installing it and all that mess. So. Yeah. Well, and and what you mentioned there is a, it's interesting, and I think it's a little bit of an all, a lost art. Um, when I was married, I had a problem with my dryer. Right, it's an electric dryer, nothing crazy. We'll go down memory lane here a little bit. So with an electric dryer, it's pretty simple, right? There's uh, like the low, medium, high. And when you look at the circuitry, all it does is turn on one set of coils, two sets of coils, three sets of coils on the heater signal. And you've got some other basic sensors, right? Am I spinning? Am I not? Is the door closed? Um, Humidity, yeah. Yeah, humidity, right. And so one day, like it wasn't heating up. And this was like a couple of weeks after the, the discussion around what a lint trap is and why it's important to keep it clean because that's where the air goes. Um, so, and, and again, until, you're, until you've done it, like, why would you worry about it? Why would you know? And this was a long time ago. Um, but it wouldn't heat up, right? And so the, so the question was like, well, shit, now we need a new dryer. I'm like, it can't be that hard, right? So the biggest challenge was figuring out where to find a schematic for this thing and then climbing behind it. Um, but once I got behind it, I was able to pull off the heat box, which literally is three coils and a couple of wires going into it. And I just put my, my multimeter on there and was able to go, okay, you have resistance, you have resistance, you don't. Problem solved, right? I need a new heat box with three coils. Um, you describe your, your handle situation I, I don't know how many people are able to tear stuff apart like that, but I think the other thing that's mm. freaky for me is, like, you go to Home Depot, how many of these refrigerators now have, like, cameras and TVs and all this other stuff built into them? And I'm going, who can fix any of that stuff? Oh, yeah. And that was, I have a similar story with, uh, it was actually a gas dryer. But sure. It's an old, it's like a, I think it was an old Whirlpool or Maytag. I mean, it was, it was, it was probably, as old as I was. Yeah. And, um, I, some part on it broke, uh, it was a, the pulley broke on it. The, that did the dryer, like the, Oh, the spinny. The, yeah. The spinny. Yeah. And so I like, I go in and get the part and the guy's like, Oh man, you can work on every part of that dryer. You should never sell it. Like right. it's, it's all relays. It's literally any part can be replaced in it. Like yeah. hold on to that thing as long as possible. And the thing that, you know, the total squirrel distraction was, so of, of course I had to fire it up before it all put it, before I put it all back together, because if I put it back together without trying it, then I'd be taking it back apart again. Right. All the sheet metal and everything else. Yeah. Oh yes. But, and I was in, I mean, in hindsight, it makes sense, but I was watching this thing light off and, um, you know, so in, in the process land, like you have huge boilers and furnaces and stuff like that. And so there's a, you know, there's all sorts of, obviously there's industry stuff that, you know, ideally stuff like that, you want it to stay in the same shape it starts as. Um, So there's like, so for example, uh, NFPA uh, 85, I think is for, it's like a whole standard written around combustion for boilers. Okay. 
And uh, they have, you know, NFPA 85, 86, 87 for different types of furnaces or heaters or ovens or whatever. And the NFPA point of that is the National Fire Protection Agency. Okay. So these are standards to make sure you don't burn your home down. Largely. Yeah, National National Fire Protection Association. Perfect. And so what's crazy is there's essentially a sequence, there's a light off sequence in there that, you know, you need to you know, cuz I had a gas dryer, so you have to like the first part of the sequence is you need to go purge all the gas. So you got to go blow a bunch of air through it to make sure that you didn't just fill up the whole box with <laughs> something combustible and then mm. light it. Sure. Um, sure. So anyway, there's these very detailed, like, here's all the steps you need to take. Here are the interlocks of, you know, you can't, you, you can't energize the igniter until this other thing happens and uh-huh. so on and so forth. And uh, it was fascinating to watch this basic thing, like a dryer that sits in everybody's house, basically follow that same light off procedure. So you could like almost down to the like, okay, well, here's the 15 second purge. Here's the you know, the various checks and, you know, it's the same thing for these huge industrial things. Sure. But it, it existed in this household thing that nobody thinks about when they hit <laughs> go dry my clothes, you know. So I'm assuming anyway. your furnace does the same thing too, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Very very similar. It's you know, does a purge and it's testing the Make sure that the you know you have airflow and yep. um, you know the flame is the right size. Like there are like flame sensors and yeah, I mean it, it's in all the same stuff in industrial except it's you know in your furnace and you don't think about it ever. Not until it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, and and one final sidebar: if you ever call somebody. Um, to come work on it and they say something like, ah, you know, that sensor looked like it wasn't working. I just jumpered it out. There's a reason the sensor is there. Fix the sensor. Don't just jumper it away. Jumper it out. Yeah. There's, there's your safety PSA for, for the day. And that also applies to robotic equipment that you should never crawl inside of while disabling safety circuitry (laughs) and allowing it to run full speed Um, yeah i have you had any near misses over the course of your career uh that you're willing to speak about (laughs) yeah i mean there there's definitely been been some i i think probably the the first one that comes to mind is like i i don't know the beginning of my career 15 20 years ago like there was no like, um, you know, like the, the the arc fault, like the NFPA seventy, you know, that all that training that we have to take now to make sure that you don't stick your tools where they shouldn't be. Oh, specifically around like arc flash, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure it's. So while he's pulling this up, arc flash is a. Uh... I guess it's a term we would apply to an electrical explosion, right? For a lack of better terms. Um, And usually when it happens, it's not like a little firecracker. It's like kaboom and you blew the door off of a refrigerator. Um, Yeah. So it, 
Yeah, NFPA 70 and 70E. So there, there's, so again, more more NFPA, uh, but they essentially they publish the standards for, you know, that are are that they're a standard, so everybody can follow, use them, follow them, whatever. Sure, sure. Um, but like, maybe it was a thing, maybe not. But earlier in my career, like going to get readings off, you know, a 480 bus, you know, there was there was no safety awareness that, <laughs> that I had at, at that time. So it was just like, oh, I don't know. Is it going the right direction? No, let me put my meter on it. I'm like, no, nope, it's going the wrong way. Right. So it's stuff like that that I could probably sit and think through that are probably. <laughs> or um, it there were no like personnel near misses, but one of my, around that same time, so I was, I was with an integrator I was working on a, uh, I was actually working on a palletizing robot, mm-hmm. and it, you know, not a crazy application. You, you grab the boxes, the rope, you know, with tooling, the robot pulls it back, turns 180 degrees, puts it on a pallet, and whatever your stack pattern is. Yeah. Um, and so, it's a pretty simple change. Instead of, instead of grabbing the boxes too high, we wanted to grab them three high. And then go move them over, so you could stack a little faster. Yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing crazy. The tools I had at the time were just to make those changes with the pendant, and so I was just adjusting some offsets and whatever. But you have to do that with everything powered up. Um, so had the robot. I'm making the adjustments, and an operator came out of nowhere and was like, "Hey, we got to get, we got to get the line going." And I'm like, "We." this line is not going to run right now. And it, like, no, 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 we got to, we got to get the line going. And so he like reaches past me and hits the start button. And oh, no. so the, the problem is that the robot thinks it's at its home position when you hit its start button, because that's, that's how it was programmed. Yeah. And so that thing took off. And as you can imagine, the first, the home position was 180 degrees uh-huh. behind it. Uh-huh. So the first move is this big move all the way around to go pick something up. So that robot reached out the tooling, which went straight into the fencing and all the guards, and then lifted up to turn around, just ripped all the tooling off the front of the robot. Um, I mean, it was, it was like a scene out of the Terminator. Like it was pneumatics and just stuff flopping around and i had this operator looking up at me I'm like i told you to not hit the button <laughs> and the the guy i was with he just shuts his laptop and like well we're done here today and <laughs> oh, no that's not good that's not good at all no that was they had more problems after that <laughs> yeah that's a uh that's a start over, start reworking stuff. I mean, what what about you? But you have a story in the hopper there. Oh, I lots of dumb stuff, right? So again, like how I still have ten fingers, ten toes, and two eyeballs is a blessing, um, and I don't take that lightly. Um, but just dumb stuff for the sake of not following the rules. So there was one where. Uh, we had a machine. It was I was working on a, a retrofit kit, right? So we had a mock-up of one of these big gantries, and you could, uh, you know, take the motors off of it, put the new motors on. Um, but 
it used tachometers for its uh, commutation feedback, so to, to know whether or not the motors were working. And uh, I had a runaway, right? And I happened to be sitting within the work envelope. And thankfully, I only had one axis moving, and my computer was four feet to the left of where that thing was moving. But it ran away right past me, right? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then I had another time, you know, again, dumb, dumb, dumb. Uh, I was working on a big FANUC robot that uh, would load and unload a machine tool, so big castings, right? Um, and this isn't a this isn't a problem with FANUC. Um, I did something I shouldn't have, and I went in and I manipulated the system variables to allow it to go full speed with the teach pendant turned on. <laughs> and then the guy slipped a decimal point, and we crashed it through a steel conveyor. Yikes! So like. Again, just, and, and why? Because we were in a hurry, right? We didn't want to wait and watch it run. Um, dumb. Take the time. Like, it, it's it's a miracle I still am standing here in one piece. Um, but, yeah, it, dumb. And, and there was one time I <laughs> I was at a customer site and I broke their machine tool. So with a lot of these machine tools to, to save a couple bucks, they'll put an indexer out on the you know fourth axis instead of putting a fully integrated servo. And with those indexers, they work off of a sequencer, right? So you tell it step one through step 26, here's where I need you to be. And uh, I had gotten this thing out of sequence because I was dinking around again with the robot. It was stopped at what I thought was position zero or position one. Happened to be midway through its cycle that it just happened to be there again. And uh, I loaded a new part and I hit start. And that machine tool buried that spindle so hard into that fixture. <laughs> there's alarm lights off. There's like, it's flashing and I think it's making noise. And I'm like, oh man, I just wrecked the machine tool. Now, thankfully they, uh, they were able to fix it. But yeah, more more than i care to admit but again all could have been avoided like just dumb just dumb don't be in the work envelope don't run things at full speed have an understanding um but i think it's interesting too you know in, in talking about working on stuff at home and you know maybe it's working on cars or whatever right now as all these things have gotten smarter um it's become really difficult to work on things but also the level of knowledge needed to even attempt to do some of this stuff is pretty high, right? Like, yeah. And and you think about like what was I seeing, like with these cars with the with the autonomous driving. Like, if you bring it in for a basic bumper kind of problem, there's some serious bucks there because there's a smart guy with a computer, and you got to calibrate all this stuff, right? And it's not just Oh, I need to get it light. Like, it spatially has to know all of the things. Um, I don't know. Like, it's a miracle anything even works. Well, and just your, I mean, just your standard combustion engine car, too. Um, those are running so efficient, like, like truly on the edge of, <laughs> of what's even possible yeah. with you know the combustion elements that even even there too like you're it's not like you're gonna open it up and you know change the jets on the carburetor like it, it's a full 
there's not a lot you can work on. Right. Yeah, you you're can, in. There's no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, and I, I don't envy the people starting out. Right. So like, I think about when we started our career, and if you know, if somebody handed you a, a board full of chiclets that you could read because the chips were still big enough to even read. Um, you could probably decipher like what pins are doing what and where they're going to, right? And, and as things have gotten smaller and more complex, like just the barrier of entry, and I think this is true with with our industry especially, right? Like I, I listened to a speaker this week, and he was talking about generational changes. Um, Jason Dorsey, by the way, great speaker, uh, really entertaining. Um, loves making fun of baby boomers, which makes me happy. Um, <laughs> and then those damn Gen Z kids. But uh, before I digress too far, um, I just think about, like, he made the comment that you're in my generation because we're about the same age. We're not tech savvy. We're technology dependent. Mm. And and I think you and I may be, like, the unicorns along with maybe our thousand best friends that are also unicorns in our generation um, because we had to understand how it worked because of our occupation. We do understand how it works. I look at a lot of my friends that don't do this for a living. Zero shot. Zero shot. Um, yeah. And I, I've, I've always wondered if it's because we we kind of straddled these two kind of generational dependent things. He brought you know, like that up too. Yeah. Keep going. And then I'll, but like there was, there was a point in my life that I didn't have a cell phone in my pocket. No, nobody had a cell phone in their pocket. Right. Or, you know, I did, there wasn't access to a computer. If I was researching, it was with an encyclopedia. Like, I mean, these are, these are very clear, like, the first papers I were writing for school were on a typewriter. Like, so, I mean, that's the, that's where I started and have very vivid, clear memories. So I appreciate some of this technology, I think maybe more than others, just because I've, I've seen the other end of it. Like Mm -hmm. I remember being the remote for my dad because, you know, we didn't, (laughs) (laughs) we didn't have a remote for the TV. So no, and, and it was interesting listening to him speak about about the generation piece, and I feel like we could probably talk a whole hour around this, and maybe we bring in a really old guy and we bring in one of our kids. Um, <laughs> but he talked about, like, if you were born on that gap or, or on that overlap between the two, like you, you, you kind of had one foot in both sides and you were empathetic to both, right? So as he went around the room, all these leaders, it was a leadership conference, a lot of these leaders were born on one of those gap lines. And I thought that was doubly interesting, right? Because you understand yours, you know, kind of both sides of that fence. So um, super so, wild. So I used to uh, help out with the interns at my, my previous employer. And I had one of them come up to my desk one time. And he looks, he's, he looked at it and he's like, why did you 3D print a save icon? And I <laughs> like, oh wow! I'm like, no, that's real. Like, no, that's that's what the save icon's based off. There yeah. might be photos on that. <laughs> so, it, it's, I've had a couple of those where, like, I I'm not that old, 
Am I? Maybe. Maybe I am. But <sighs> time has flown. I'll say that. It's uh we are no longer the young kids in the office. It's Which uh, this is this is another whole conversation, but um yeah, it's a strange part in your career when you look around and realize that like you're the adult in the room like <laughs> like you you're the adult you're the expert like it it kind of comes down to you bringing this thing through and that's yeah. i don't know it's just a weird <laughs> it's a weird transition but. it is a weird thing for sure oh man yeah it's uh it, and i think and in our day jobs, we're kind of at this point, right? Like I remember going to, to tech school and they said, hey, here's what a transistor is, right? And you had this three-legged thing on the desk in front of you. And now, you know, we put them in these phones and there's like a bajillion of them in a postage stamp. And you're like, holy cow. And I remember sitting there. So I had a, I was fortunate if I had an internship before I went off to school. Um, so I understood like if I, if I went to my computer and I hit control T, I could I could get the lamp to turn on the stack light, right? Or I could override a, a sensor. Didn't know what they were wired to or how it worked. I just knew when I hit the button it worked, right? And I think that's where like our, our kids generation is at with with all of this stuff, right? With phones and computers like they don't know how it works. They just know they open it up and it works. Um but I remember knowing that it did work and then going to school and as they were explaining the things, I went, oh, that's the guts that's in, you know, an input module or not. Like, I was able to connect those dots, and the rest of my classmates are going, what in the hell are we talking about here? And so I wonder, like, I, I wonder how we, we, we pass that mentality along to, to be able to understand why versus just the sake of learning for the sake of learning, right? Like... I don't know. Oh, yikes. Uh, I mean, it, I think it comes down to there's like an inherent trait that you have to that that people have to have. And it's if you you have to be curious in order to, like, even start down this path, because, like, if you just take your average person, you know, sorry if you're offended by that, but your average person who um, doesn't care. Like, I don't, I don't really, I sure. don't care why traffic lights work. I just want the light to be green. I don't care about anything that's attached to it. Sure. Um, I, I don't know if you're going to convince that person that they should sit and understand, you know, how sequencing works and how there are sensors in the street that detect the cars and like all the stuff that, that are necessary for that. Sure. Um, like there's some basic amount of curiosity that's involved, and I and I think that's like that's how that's how I became a, a tinkerer. I think as you called it, yeah. is it there's just a genuine like, well, how does that work? I don't know. I have a screwdriver. Let's see how let's see how far in I can get myself right. before I completely break it, um, and then maybe sometimes I'll fix it. So I think if you're if you're not curious. Um, it's just a hard trait to pass on because that's yeah it's it's the key oh i dig it i dig it 
So we had set out originally before this, and we had some topics, and we are 48 minutes into this thing, and we didn't get to it. So we're not even going to shift gears, because at this point, we'd be shifting gears, and then I'm going to have to come up with an episode title, and it's going to have to touch them all. So we're not going to do that. Um, we've covered all sorts of random stuff today, just kind of a catching up. Um, I... So random fun facts. When you sign up to create a podcast, you can create seasons, right? I don't know. I, I figure maybe like once a year I'll have to click that season button. <laughs> so I guess this is an opinion thing. We're going to make real history right now live but recorded. Um, does this become episode one of season two or like episode 27 in an ongoing one to n never ending season? What's your vote? Mm. I know, right? That's kind of what I did. I was like, I, I kind of like the seasons. I mean, it gives right. a good gives a good chapter ending. But I, there is something curious about like uh, automation advocates episode one hundred and fifty nine. Like, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. So that's that's my uh, that's my debate because I don't know that we've had like a clear. It's not like we're telling a story where there's a definite beginning and end, right? Um, I don't know. No, I'm trying to see what we're up to here. How many how many episodes have been published? You know who doesn't know? ChatGPT. <laughs> They've got no idea. Um, well, someday they'll train. Well, I mean that that could so that's I'm not going to go there. I'm simply going to say the more content that we generate, the more food for the Chat GPT engine later. But we already said we're not shifting gears. Yeah, so. we're not. We're totally not. We're going to do that next week, <laughs> which will in turn be like three weeks from now. Um, but we have published thirty episodes, if you include the episode zero. Because uh, apparently computers and podcast software don't agree on where to start numbering things. And the uh, the will be back, I promise, episode, which was me for 30 seconds saying, hey, I'm totally sorry. Um, yes to your answer in the chat here. Um, <laughs> not right now, but yeah. So the question was, hey, will Sarah be back on the show? Yes. Um was totally trying to get her to call in today. Uh, she's on vacation today doing Ugh. fun stuff. Um, but now that we know this works over uh, remote, um, and actually we've done a couple remote ones before, we can probably get Charlie, Sarah, you, and me, all four of us on at the same oh, time. Oh, that, um, that sounds like a party. Yeah, I mean, it's like one, one penalty kill short of a full-strength uh, <laughs> hockey team there, so it's getting Charlie close. O- Charlie owes us a rap too, just just in case anybody thought we forgot. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he called me the other day, and I was a. Uh, I just went to voicemail because I've, I've been out of town quite a bit for the last month. But uh, yeah, no, I'll uh, I will make sure. And actually, now that I've relocated everything to the basement, actually, you could stop out when we do it too. Okay. Um, I've got my. Did I show you this thing here? 
Sorry, for those of you that can't see any of the things that I'm holding up in front of my camera today, you're probably like, what is this idiot's problem? The uh, oh. the keyboard slash drum box unit. So we don't even have to beatbox it. I can literally like hit the button pad and it'll uh, drop some sick beats. Oh, now it's a... It's a party with music. This is a <laughs> this is building out. You know, me wow, don't hit your head on the microphone, Justin. Um I wonder so as part of this last conference and and we'll give a teaser. Um there was a bunch of other AI stuff out there. And so Tyler and I spent a little bit of time before this just tinkering, just doing exploratory stuff. A lot of them were like, "Hey, cute." getting waiting lines right um but maybe we'll look at some of the audio ones and we'll see if they can write us a sick beat oh interesting um or if they just tell us hey get in line wait uh, but we'll, we'll check it out we'll do a little tinkering uh any uh any words of wisdom before we shove off or did it, this was all over the place but we did talk about 3d printing that's cool uh, there was some automation in there. Yeah. Talked about not blowing your house up. Near misses. I feel good. I feel good. It was yeah. like, it's like, it's kind of like when you get on your bike for the first time in a little while. And you're like, ah, oh, okay, this this is comfortable again. I can get, I can get back here. <laughs> no, but as, I mean, as you uh, have said before, if there's any topic ideas, shoot them in. Cruise them in. Yeah. We're all in. But uh, I guess on that note, I'm going to hit these other two buttons and uh, end the recording. We'll, uh, we'll catch you all later. And this episode is brought to you by, well, me. In the event you'd like to join the show. We don't care about that one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one.